If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 93 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the role of questions and questioning in learning. Specifically, we'll discuss why it is such an important topic, what learning businesses can do to encourage questioning, and also some approaches to asking effective questions. Before we get to that discussion, though, we want to thank your membership, the podcast sponsor for the third quarter of 2017. Your membership's learning management system is designed specifically for professional education with a highly flexible and intuitive system that customizes the learning experience. Your membership's LMS seamlessly integrates with key systems to manage all of your educational content formats in one central location, while providing powerful tools to create and deliver assessments, evaluations, and learning communities. You can find out more about your membership at yourmembership.com. For the resource for this episode, we want to highlight an infographic from Global Digital Citizen. Uh, the infographic covers a five-step process for asking good questions, and the five steps have you thinking about the focus, the purpose, the intent, the framing, and then the follow-up of questions. And we think it's just a good resource for helping make sure that you are really thinking about all of those aspects of your questions so that you can arrive at good questions. So good questions are obviously top of mind uh, for this episode, and it's been, it's been a topic we've been interested in for quite some time, have written about for many years, but uh, has become even more pertinent as we've started doing more educational events ourselves and have tried very actively to work questioning into those events as part of the overall learning strategy. So, you know, to, to start off with, you know, why? why? Why talk about questions? Why are they so important? And you know, our perspective is that in many ways, questions really are the lifeblood of learning. I mean, the, the effort of, you know, formulating and asking questions helps us obviously be more aware of what we don't know. And then the answers, of course, help to address our knowledge gaps. And as we'll discuss more in just a bit, questions are often a key means of drawing connections between the content and concepts that comprise any learning ex experience, and then also connecting this new knowledge to what we already know. They're basically a, a key technique in what's known in learning theory as elaboration. That's right. And along those lines, um, I think we should also think about the issue of relevance, which is so important in adult learning. Questioning is really at the heart of establishing relevance in any learning experience. So is this relevant to what I do? Is it relevant to who I am? How is it relevant? How would I apply this? Those are the kinds of questions that should always be going through a learner's mind, whether consciously or unconsciously. And, and they are, as you said, Jeff, a form of elaboration or more specifically, elaborative interrogation. Uh, it may be a bit of an overstatement, but not much of one to say that if we're not asking questions, we aren't really engaged in learning. And engagement is a key concept here. Most organizations in the business of learning want to engage their learners. And whether or not questions are, are asked in the context of a learning experience is one of the clearest signs of whether there is engagement. So those are just those are just a few reasons, you know, why this is such an important topic for anyone in the in the business of lifelong learning. And those reasons raise really a critical next question, and that's how can we encourage questions? Because I think, you know, 
we all know it'd be nice to think that if you have compelling content and a, and a great presenter or facilitator, then naturally there are going to be lots of great questions. But I'm, I'm betting that every listener to this podcast has been in a situation where that just didn't work out. That is, you know, in spite of providing content that clearly aligns with learner needs and, you know, doing your best to present the content in an effective way, you still get mostly crickets when it comes to questions. So let's talk about a few approaches or ideas from our side about how to encourage questions. I think first and foremost, you just need to clearly establish your receptivity to questions. So just make it very clear in whatever learning context, hey, we welcome your questions, we encourage your questions, we expect your questions. Um, Secondly, I think make it crystal clear how to ask questions. Um, it may seem obvious, but you know this can be an aspect that gets overlooked and maybe to the detriment of questions. So if you're in a webinar situation, make sure that, that learners understand they need to use that question panel and type in their question rather than you know, raising their virtual hand. Uh, and if it's in a, a more of a classroom situation, make sure that they understand uh, at which points questions are going to be welcome. Do they need to raise a hand? Or are we going to have a designated Q&A time later? I think another really important thing is to provide white space. You have to give people the time to be able to formulate their questions. So sometimes when we say, any questions? And then we move right on after you know three seconds of silence. You may have to endure that silence a little bit to give people the cognitive room to formulate their question so that they can ask it. And then I'd also encourage folks to model good, relevant questioning. So build that into the learning experience. Have your facilitator um, actually give some examples of good questioning and what goes into creating that good questioning. And then, too, you can coach learners on how to ask better questions. And I think this is something we want to talk a little bit more about, which is you know how to ask good questions, because I think it's a skill that most people really aren't taught. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, this isn't something that uh, people necessarily come away from school with, which they certainly should, you know, how, how to ask, and then for our listeners, how to encourage better questions. And so, you know, to address that, we thought we'd turn to a favorite source of ours, uh, Dr. Fiona McPherson. And I got to know Fiona several years ago when I was doing some writing for Mission to Learn and, and doing a podcast there. And I interviewed her about some of her research that she did uh, around memory. And she's done a significant amount of research in, in many areas of learning and memory. And she makes some really great resources available on her site, which is called MemPowered, um, Mem as in memory powered. Uh, and we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, effective questioning is an area in which she's really particularly interested in. She did an excellent post a while back on how to ask better questions. And again, we'll link to that uh, specific post in, in the show notes for this episode, which you'll be able to find, again, at leadinglearning.com slash episode 93. And so we definitely recommend that you read her full blog post, but we'll highlight here three key questions that she asked to determine the overall quality of any question. And so she asks, does the question make the information more comprehensible? So does the question surface details or related information that helps us to better understand? Then secondly, does the question make the information more meaningful? So does the question give us a better idea of why this topic matters? And then thirdly, does the question increase the number of meaningful connections? So does the question help us relate the new knowledge to what we already know or do? And that might be 
for example, by suggesting how we can apply this new knowledge, this new information to our current practices. And that relates directly to what we were talking about earlier around elaboration and uh, elaborative interrogation. So really using questions to, to draw connections. And she poses, you know, her questions about questions, primarily from the standpoint of studying, really, in a, and illustrates how these would be used to commit, say, some factual information to memory. We'd like to take that, though, and propose that, you know, the questions that she poses can also be used as kind of a simple checklist for how participants in, say, you know, a conference session, a, a seminar, an online course, a webinar, really, you know, any other typical adult learning activity uh, might approach questioning. So, you know, how would you use her, her questions to kind of set up a sort of checklist? So, you know, with respect to things being more comprehensible, you might be asking yourself, you know, do I really understand what has been said or shown or demonstrated, whatever the case might be in, in that particular learning experience? And, and of course, if, if that's not the case, if you haven't understood, then the simple question to ask is, you know, hey, I didn't understand that. Could you go back over it again to try to figure out where it is that you're you know, maybe not understanding at the, at the level that you would like to? The next one uh, related to things being more meaningful is to, to always ask, is it clear to me why it matters? So to be asking yourself that question and, you know, if somebody's leading, if you're in a session, somebody's leading that session, uh, you may need to ask, hey, why does this matter? You know, why are we talking about this? Uh, how does it connect to our work? Which leads to the next question that uh, learners should always be asking themselves, and that's how does this connect to what I already know and do? Um, so you know, this is where you really kind of have to roll up your sleeves and do some hard work as a learner. You need to be thinking about, okay, I'm in this situation, this learning experience where I'm getting new knowledge, new skills, whatever the case might be. How do I connect that back to, you know, what we're already doing in our learning business or whatever the case might be, uh, the, the activities that you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, how are you going to connect this new knowledge, these new skills into what you already know and do? And you're going to need to be, you know, consistently thinking about that as you're going through any learning experience. And what we would propose is that you actually share this, this brief checklist, and this will be in the show notes, uh, these questions put them on a whiteboard, put them on a flip chart, put them on a handout, however it is that you can communicate them to learners. Do this at the beginning of a learning experience and come back to it, you know, throughout the learning experience. Again, you know, the questions are, do I really understand what has been said, shown, demonstrated, whatever the case might be? Is it clear to me why it matters? How does this connect to what I already know and do? And with those questions in mind, you'll be able to, to fuel basically the, the questions that you need to ask during any learning experience to make sure you're getting the results, the outcomes out of that learning experience that you were hoping for. So let's uh, shift gears just a little bit, and um, I think it would be nice to um, highlight one of the oldest and, and best-known forms of question-based learning the Socratic method, and, and this comes from Socrates, the Greek philosopher, and, and arguably uh, one of the greatest questioners of all time. Um, and, and Socrates used different types of questions to encourage his students to explore and to test and to deepen their views and opinions and knowledge. And we want to talk about four different types of questions in particular, or types of questioning. And these are called the ignoramus, the gadfly, the stingray, and the midwife. So we'll talk about each of those a little bit more, but it might be helpful to have um, those types of questioning contextualized. So if we um, take a statement 
um, and then apply these types of questioning to it. That might help illustrate it best. So let's use as our statement, adults are typically more responsive to internal motivators, job satisfaction, self-esteem, quality of life, et cetera, than external motivators, promotions, higher salaries, et cetera. So that first type of questioning, the ignoramus type, um, is probably the easiest to understand. Basically, you just play dumb and act like you've never encountered the topic or issue, or maybe you don't have to play dumb. Maybe you actually have never encountered the topic or issue. Um, and, and so a typical ignoramus question is, what does that mean? Or can you explain it again? So in that Adults are typically more responsive to internal motivators and external motivators. You might say, I, I don't understand that. What are internal motivators? What are external motivators? And so basically, you're just having someone kind of repeat, maybe go a little bit deeper into the, the content that they are presenting. So the ignoramus is one type of, of questioning. Um, another one is called the the gadfly, as, as uh, you just indicated, Salisa. And I mean, what gadflies do is they, they nip away at larger animals. So they're, they're kind of, you know, pest. Um, so gadfly type questions are, are little questions intended to kind of push thinking and, and avoid uh, sloppiness. You know, so a typical gadfly question might be, you know, what evidence do you have? Or how can you be certain that is true? Or is that always true? Does that always apply? And, and certainly you could, you know, apply that to the, the, the statement that, um, that you highlighted uh, there, Salisa, about uh, adults, you know, are typically more responsive to internal motivators than to external motivators. And, and I'll, I'll, uh, say, you know, re related to this statement, this, this comes from Malcolm Knowles. This is from, you know, the adult learner. So this is kind of a, you know, an established classic of, uh, adult lifelong learning and, and people take it as kind of, you know, tablets brought down from the mountain sort of thing. This is the perfect sort of statement to say, uh, what evidence do you have for that? That, you know, adults typically are more responsive to internal versus external motivators. Is there, is there research for that? You know, does that always apply? Uh, and, and, and certainly this, this kind of gadfly question can be very useful as a, as a means of, you know, critical thinking, critical questioning to, to make sure that you're not just accepting what's been put in front of you, that you're actually saying, okay, is this always true? The third type of questioning are, are stingray type questions, and, and stingray questions kind of administer a little shock to thinking. Um, and, uh, and the idea is that these questions um, help you reconsider. So what if your premise were wrong? What if everything um, you've said was turned on its head? What if X wasn't the case, but Y is the case? What if you had unlimited time and resources? So, you know, in the case of this, you know, adults are typically more responsive to internal motivators than external motivators. You know, what if there were unlimited uh, funds for higher salaries? Then in that case, would that still hold true? So there's just this approach of kind of opening up your thinking, kind of removing some of the constraints, and that's what stingray-type questions try to do, kind of uh, allow you to do a little bit of pie-in-the-sky, kind of um, uh, blue-ocean-type thinking. And so then the fourth type of question, of Socratic questioning at least, that, uh, that we'll highlight here is, is the midwife? And uh, these are questions that really, as the, the name suggests, help to give birth to ideas. You know, so some typical questions that uh, would be put in that midwife category are things like, that's an interesting idea. How, do, how did you think of it? Or, you know, could you explain your idea a, a bit more? Or what are the implications for your idea? And how might your idea affect things? And I mean, for me, this is, this is where 
innovation often comes from. You, you, you hear something that intrigues you and you, you want to kind of follow that path to, to where it's going to lead. And you can certainly see that with something like the, the Knowles statement about, you know, adults typically being more responsive to internal motivators. I mean, let's say you accept that, that, that that's true. You've asked your gadfly question and you're satisfied that uh, there's good evidence behind this. What, what would that then mean? What are you actually going to do as a result of that when you think about you know, the, the learning experiences you provide? If you need to tap into internal motivation, what's that say about what you're going to do for marketing? Uh, what's that say about what you're actually going to do in the experience itself? So I, I, I'm a personally a big fan of, uh, of the midwife category. I think you can get some really, really productive questions out of that. And I'll just note that we use these four types of questioning at our learning technology design event. We had folks work in groups of two, three, and four, and we had one person um, share something that they had learned or done that day at learning technology design. And then we had another person in the group respond um, to what was shared with a question um, with the idea that it could be modeled on one of these types that Socrates used. Um, and then had the group go around sharing and then responding with a question, and, and we had them repeat as as time allowed. But you know, the idea there is that it, we often sh- share at um, in the context of a learning event what we've learned, but the idea of questioning can help um, someone else, uh, the hearer, also get some more value out of what someone else has learned by going a little bit deeper um, the way that a question can take you in a little bit deeper. And, and so, I mean, to that point, I mean, we, we suggest that you use this, that you embrace uh, th- this approach uh, as part of learning events, uh, learning experiences that, that you're making available. And I mean, one thing we did to, to tee this up is we kind of went through those areas of Socratic questioning. We had some slides and said, you know, here's what Socratic questioning is. Here are these different types of questionings. And so we framed it so that, you know, people understood what we were getting at and, and why to do this. And then, you know, to turn this into an activity, I mean, it's pretty simple. You get groups of two to four people. You don't want them to be too big because you need people to actually be able to interact with each other. You have each person share something that they've uh, learned or something they've done that was part of, you know, whatever learning experience you're offering. And then, you know, one person responds to what's shared with a question. And so they, they take one of these types of questions, you know, whether it's a midwife or a gadfly or whatever uh, seems appropriate, and they're going to respond. And then you repeat that in the group as time allows. So you're really, you're giving people a model for questioning, which they, they may not consciously have. Um, you're modeling it for them. So you've kind of set up that, that framework and really given them the, the how-to on it. And then you're having them apply it. Um, so they're actually getting to practice questioning, but in the process of practicing questioning, they're also, you know, obviously helping to cement their own learning from the experience. So it's increasing the, the value of the experience. And, you know, this, this can be done in real time. That's how we've done it at uh, some of our live events. But it's also the type of thing that uh, I I could easily see you doing on a discussion board as well. So I think, uh, you know, a main point here is that we can practice getting better at questions. So knowing something like those four types of Socratic questioning, that can be a way to build our our questioning muscle. And uh, another example is there's an improv activity, and we'll link to at least, you know, one um, one example of how this improv activity plays out, but I know a lot of different improv groups that use it. And the idea is that this is going to help you with your fluency in questions. So the, the activity is pretty simple. You, you start with a prompt or a situation or a topic, and then you have people interact based on that prompt. 
But importantly, they can only speak in questions. And the questions can't just be why or why not. They have to be substantive and they have to legitimately respond to the previous question. Um, and usually you have a situation and then two teams that compete, but um, we thought we would try and model this here. And so for the sake of that, it'll just be Jeff versus me. And um, I think for our prompt, we could um, say that, you know, the situation we're going to deal with is coming up with a, a topic for the Leading Learning Podcast. Mm, that seems apropos. So uh, why don't we do an episode on questions? Hmm. So do you really think listeners would like an episode on questions? Hmm. Uh, do we care about what listeners like or do we care about what they need? How do we know about what our listeners need? And so on until somebody flops. Um, and again, the point of this activity is, is just to get more fluent with appropriate questions. And I think too that importantly, the activity undercuts uh, what I think is a pretty strong desire in all of us um, to have an answer when someone asks us a question. And I think there's something very valuable in, in just uh, abiding in that space where I don't have to have an answer. I just have to have another good question. I think that's a very important, a very useful mind shift. So as we're exiting, we want to say thanks again to your membership. You can find out more about your membership and all it offers at yourmembership.com. And don't you really want to find out about what your membership offers? I think you do. And I think you also want to get show notes for this episode. Just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 93. And while you're there, you're going to see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And you should be asking yourself, why am I not subscribed to this podcast yet? Because if you aren't, we would love to see you use one of the options at leadinglearning.com to sign up. We would be grateful if you would take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. Go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. We really appreciate it. Um, we love to hear from you, and it also makes it much easier for others to find this podcast. And of course, consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet simply by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. Or if tweeting isn't something you like to do, you can just pick any social network that you like, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever it is, and then put out there that you really like the Leading Learning podcast and that folks can find out about it at leadinglearning.com. Thanks again. And will we see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast?